back to Finding New Films. Today is episode 27, and I am joined again today by my dad, Jeff. Welcome. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for being here. Um, Today, we watched uh, Wes Anderson's first film, Bottle Rocket, from 1996. Uh, This is my choice. Um, I chose this. I chose this path, uh, nevertheless. Uh, we watched Bottle Rocket, and um, the reason behind that was because I had never seen this movie, and Wes Anderson is top three uh, filmmakers for me. Um, just really love the symmetry and the cutesy style. I love cutesy movies and stuff like that, so um, that was a lot of inspiration with that. Um, and I'd never seen this movie, and I had heard that it was not in his, like, signature style, so I've always been interested in that aspect of it. So, um, here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts coming into this movie? Well, really, I mean, I had no idea what the plot was or, or anything like that. I mean, I'd heard of the movie, and I knew it was, like, a cult classic. Um, I was a big fan of the Owen, you know... Darwin the Wilson brothers um so you know I was already interested and I know that that him and Wes Anderson kind of got their start together Owen and then um so I was just intrigued already and then I read the plot a little short plot right before I started watching the movie and I was like oh man I'm gonna love this (laughs) yeah that was another thing after our last episode is you told me like what your pocket of movies are like the cutoff for movies for you where it just kind of starts to feel like you don't um you don't really you don't care for it at a certain point after mm-hmm. a certain era so i looked specifically in the 90s for stuff that we could watch because i know that's when you like started to like fall in love with movies or like really take interest no 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 it was in my college years at early 90s yeah. yeah so i mean yeah okay i had you know i this movie hasn't been on my radar even though i was into movies you know that's probably the time that i was going to the movies the most yes right then and um it it probably wasn't until like you know grand budapest came out and the royal tenenbaums maybe that i started looking at other stuff that wes anderson had done so um this was really cool i mean just I, i think this movie showcases like Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson's like writing at a very early raw stage and you can just see how it builds from this. So that was really cool to kind of like see masterpieces that these guys have done and then kind of go back and see where the roots of it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I don't think Luke is much of a writer, but he's a really, really, really good actor. Um, he's such a sympathetic baby face character in like every I mean he blindly robbed people in this movie he robbed his own mother in this movie yeah. but you still feel endeared to him with his by his relationship with Inez and like how how he, much he cares about her um, so that was that's always been interesting too with Wes Anderson of having people that have like very questionable or even like very plainly bad morality and still having them feel endearing uh 
in a sweet way, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interesting. Well, and I think the thing of it is, is like, and now that you bring it up, there's a lot of characters in Wes Anderson movies that have like somewhat of a questionable past. And the movie is about their path to redemption. You know what I mean? I mean, I think of um, Gene Hackman in the Royal Tenenbaums, and he was just an ass all his life. And, you know, he spent the end of his life when he's at his most humble to try to make amends and, you know, uh, mend bridges, so to speak. It's like he's not asking to be, like, part of their lives fully again as the dad, the strange dad, but you know, he just wants everybody to be cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then this one, you know, his, <laughs> he ends up in jail and there's that really like, you know, he's just kind of laughing about the fact that, oh, I'm going to, let's escape. Like, and that was really funny, a <laughs> uh, little tidbit in the writing at the end there. And just for it to be a way for him to sarcastically kid around with them. To be like, oh, I'm still like this. And he's like, ah, no, I'm, I'm getting better. And then the comment about the nut house. Um, I just, it was really fun. Really fun movie. But we need to get uh, through the credits and the plot and shit theme. Then we can keep talking about that. Can I ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Before I forget about it. And I hate to take you off track. But was it like explained at the beginning that. Owen and Luke Wilson's characters were in the, like, mental hospital together. No. Because that was, like, a revelation from that joke at the end. That It basically tells you how they, because there was really no basis set for the, how they were related other than they had even known each other for a while. The girl, Grace, um, sets, says that, like, his little sister, Grace, says that, like he she knows who Dignan is like Dignan is an old friend of his but he's like he's so dumb that he is insistent that he breaks him out of yeah. the of the mental hospital so he was not in the hospital okay well because he thinks like, that joke at the end is like you know I went from the nut house to the jailhouse yeah no 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 the joke at the end was uh who would have thought you would be in the nut house and i'd end up in the jailhouse yeah i think it actually is written in the plot synopsis okay or cool uh i shouldn't have interrupted yeah dignan dignan says to anthony isn't it funny that you used to be in the nut house and now i'm in jail uh you used to be okay that would have been neat, though. Yeah, I think I've been a little on the nose. <laughs> isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy no how I? Uh, yeah, yeah. There is no pun. That was just life. Isn't it crazy how I was in an insane asylum and then they put me in jail? Like, no, that is just kind of the order of operations in the United States. Um, I thought you were making Owen Wilson nose joke. No, I was making a comment on our. Med- medical system. That's kind of like the chink in the armor. <laughs> I'm sorry. You never you get out. <laughs> no, you can. Uh, okay, so first uh, we're going to do the credit and then we're going to do the plot synopsis. So the credits are as follows. 
Bottle Rocket was released in 1996 through Columbia Pictures and Gracie Films. The runtime on the film is 92 minutes. The writers in the film are Wes Anderson and Owen Wilson, who is credited as Owen C. Wilson. Uh, the director in this film is Wes Anderson as well. The editor is David Moritz. The music is done by Mark Mothersbaugh. The camera is done, as always, on most Wes Anderson films by Robert Yeoman. Uh, the star of the film... Sorry, this is going to be the cast. I've kind of stopped doing stars. I'm just going to do the cast now. So, Luke Wilson as Anthony Adams. I have Owen Wilson as Dignan. We have Andrew Wilson as Future Man. Their third brother. Yeah, they're... I, I don't know if you realize that, but Future oh. Man. No, Future Man. So, Bob's big brother. Oh, okay. The, uh, like, really posh, like, perky, pre- uh, like... Uh, that's the preppy, preppy guy. Yeah, that's the brother. I thought he was enormous. Yeah, he's massive. They're actually they're pretty tall too. They're yeah. like six foot. Um, nevertheless, uh, Robert Musgrave is Bob Mapplethorpe. Future Man is also his real name is Ron Mapplethorpe. Uh, James Con as Abe Henry, Lumi Cavazos as Inez, uh, Donnie. Uh, Kaisido as Rocky. I have Kumar Palana as Kumar. <laughs> and then Jim Pons as uh, Applejack. <laughs> I could not, I cannot look in that dude without thinking about a four year old or. What? Kumar? Yeah. Is he in there? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, he, was, he works in the video store. I don't think that's the same guy. I think Kumar, honestly, legitimately was just a, a local actor that they found, like an old guy that they that they found. Oh. <laughs> I I love I love Kumar. I'm, I'll talk. I have notes about Kumar later on, so we'll talk about it. All right. Um. So next we have a plot synopsis. I'm just gonna be straight up. It's pretty long, so bear with me. <clears throat> it's complicated. It is pretty complicated. So just bear with me. This is for anyone who hasn't seen the movie. If you've already seen this movie, you can skip past this. But if you're someone who likes to just watch movie reviews instead of watching the movies, those type of people exist, I've I've actually found out. Uh, Then this is for you. If you've already seen this movie, you can skip this. It's in the uh, description and in the... If you're watching on YouTube, it's in the little thumbnail. or little bar, a little scroll bar where you can... Yeah, you'll figure it out. I have faith in you. In Arizona, Dignan rescues, quote-unquote, rescues his friend Anthony from a voluntary psychiatric unit where he has been staying for uh, self-described exhaustion. Dignan has an elaborate escape plan and has developed a 75-year plan that he shows Anthony. (laughs) The plan is to pull off several heists and then meet up with a Mr. Henry, a landscaper and part-time criminal known to Dignan. As a practice heist, the two friends break into Anthony's family's house, stealing specific items from a previously agreed list. Afterwards, critiquing the heist, sorry, afterward critiquing the heist, Dignan reveals that he took a pair of earrings not specified on the list. This upsets Anthony as he had purchased the earrings for his mother as a gift and specifically left them on the list. Anthony visits his little sister at her school and asks her to return the earrings to his mother. Dignan recruits Bob Mapplethorpe as a getaway driver because he is the only person they know with a car. The three of them buy a gun and return to Bob's house to plan their next heist, which will be at a local bookstore. 
the group uh, bickers as Dignan struggles to describe his intricate plan. The group steals a small sum of money from the bookstore and goes, quote, on the lamb, unquote, <laughs> stopping to stay at a motel. Anthony meets Inez, a, uh, sorry, one of the motel maids, and the two spark a romantic relationship despite their language barrier. Inez speaks a little English, and Anthony barely speaks any Spanish. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> My voice went out. Jesus. <laughs> Beverage break. My throat went so dry. Bob learns that marijuana, that his marijuana crop back home has been discovered by the police and that his older brother has been arrested. He leaves his car, he leaves in his car the following day to help his brother without telling Dignan. Uh, before leaving the motel themselves, Anthony gives Dignan an, uh, an envelope to give to Ine. Dignan delivers it to her while she is cleaning her room, not knowing that the envelope has most of his and Anthony's money inside. Ine does not open the envelope and hug Dignan to say goodbye. As Dignan is leaving, Ine asks an English-speaking male friend of hers to chase after him and tell him that he that she loves Anthony. When he delivers the message, he says, quote, Tell Anthony I love him, unquote. Dignan fails to realize he is speaking for Ine and does not deliver the message. Dignan discovers a dilapidated but functional Alfa Romeo spider, and he and Anthony continue with the 75-year plan that they had created. The car breaks down eventually, and Anthony reveals that the envelope Dignan had given to Ine contained the rest of the money that they had. They have a confrontation and go their separate ways. Narrating a letter to his sister, Anthony says he and Bob have settled into a routine back at home that is keeping them busy. Dignan, who has joined Mr. Henry's gang, tracks Anthony down and they reconcile. Dignan invites him to a heist with Mr. Henry, which he accepts on the condition that Bob is allowed in, too. The trio meet the eccentric Mr. Henry and plan to rob a safe at a cold storage facility. He becomes a role model for them, standing up to Bob's abusive brother and tutoring Dignan on success. He invites the trio to a party at his house and visits the group at the Maplethorpe's, which he compliments. Anthony learns of Ine's love for him and contacts her via phone. Her English has improved and they rekindle their relationship. The group conducts their heist at the cold storage facility with Applejack and Kumar, accomplices from Mr. Henry's landscaping company. The plan quickly falls apart with Kumar unable to crack the safe and Bob accidentally firing his gun, which in turn triggers a cardiac event with Applejack. As the police arrive, Dignan has locked himself out of the escape van and is arrested and brutalized by the police. At the same time as the, the crew are doing their heist, Mr. Henry loads furniture from Bob's house into a truck. Later in uh later Bob Anthony and Bob uh visit Dignan in prison and tell him about Mr. Henry robbing Bob's house. While Bob and Anthony are saying their goodbyes, Dignan begins rattling off an escape plan and telling his friends to get into position for a getaway. After a tense moment the two realize that Dignan is joking and Dignan says to Anthony, quote, Isn't it funny that you used to be in the nut house and now I'm in jail? <laughs> As he walks back into the prison. Um, and just to get it out of the way, I'll go ahead and read the themes so we don't have to keep hearing my voice for too much longer. <laughs> so I have arrogance, autonomy, chaos and order, crime, dedication, facing reality, failure, family, fate, fear, friendship, humor, 
identity, ignorance, the illusion of power, individuality, innocence, jealousy, the lack of common sense, leadership, loyalty, morality, peer pressure, temptation, wealth, youth. Sorry, I said that last one a little low. Um, so yeah, that's that. That was a bottle rocket. <clears throat> They forget to mention throughout the movie that Owen Wilson is shooting bottle rockets off at random points in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is probably why the movie is called Bottle Rocket. He likes to see him go down the road. <laughs> is that what he says in the movie? No. Oh. He, when he's outside the window, shooting him down the road. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just you. making the assumption. Just an imprint. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, this movie made me laugh out loud. A lot. Um, it's like right up my alley as far as comedy style goes. It's just vague enough and just uh, outside the box. I don't want to say outside the box because that's a little pretentious. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's like uh, it's a zany comedy. Mm-hmm. But they, the things that they're doing are like actually really bad. <laughs> uh, you know. They're like pointing guns at these poor bookstore people. They have no reason to be robbing a bookstore. Why they think bookstores make a lot of money. Like like all those things combined, but at the end of this thing you can still be like, ah, those guys. You know? Yeah. And they I love the fact that they're like reveling in the fact that like, yeah, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> and like Bob has no possessions anymore. They robbed him blind. And then Owen Wilson is in prison. And, like, nobody's in a better position from where they started. In fact, they're all in a worse spot. Um, I don't know. But they... Anthony is in love. He's what time is. I guess. Uh, that, uh, he seems like he kind of, like, got his life together. I mean, <laughs> At the expense much. of his two friends, yeah. Like, that's my thing, is, like... It, what there's you there's a super... Yeah. yeah, I guess that can... But that's my thing with Wes's movies is there is always a moral gray area, mm-hmm. you know. And you know the thing about it, like all the like um, the one thing that his movies, even though there's like kind of like a fairy tale facade to it all, like if there's any like shenanigans or like criminal activity or anything like that, the way he presents it is like so real, like all the anxiety, like. If you're not used to doing that type of things, like how you would be scared or easily forget or mess up to do something, it's not just this movie, but yeah. a lot of movies. I mean, it, it's so real. And another thing that I, I found out about, you know, or realized while watching this movie is like, he's so incredible. He's almost like, um, um, shoot. <laughs> Well, he does a really good job of, of of just giving you a whisper of information about a character, and it's like seems to be placed at such a a well, you know, a perfect spot, like on about something that's going on, and it like teaches you something. It could be just be a sentence, but it tells you something about the character's past. Yeah, and it's said in a spot where it's relevant. And it, it's, like, so seamless. It's just, like, you watch a Wes Anderson movie for, like, 30, 45 minutes, and then and you're, like, intriguingly fascinated with all the characters. And they haven't really given you that much information, but you feel like, 
I know this guy, you know, yeah. I already know him. <laughs> I agree. Uh, he's definitely one of the best writers as far as character building is concerned, whether that's through visual metaphors or it's through, I mean, he, his visual metaphors have only gotten more and more and more immense. I mean, getting back into watching, <laughs> saying getting back into watching his movies and watching this movie is not really a correct thing to say because this isn't really watching his movies. Um, I said it, I think, a few weeks ago, maybe, or a week and a half, I don't remember, but on one of the episodes recently of Self Tapes, I was talking about how I, I think it was on the El Mariachi episode that I watched Robert Rodriguez's first movie. Uh, Just stuff like this is, I like watching guys' first movies and girls' first movies because just like, it shows you who they are more than anything. Uh, it shows their vulnerability more than anything. They're all the most vulnerable versions of themselves. And then from there, when you watch someone's movies, you can kind of wash away that air of pretension that you may have assumed from them in the past because you can relate to them further. Like, you can relate to them easier when you've watched their first movie. Because you're like, okay, well, I understand where you've come from. So I think it's easier to for me to swallow, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, some guy going on to a video and being like, yes, we did this because of this, because we needed to make this work, and this actor was being uh, difficult, and we just needed this to work. I can I can understand it more when I've seen their first movie, I think. I forgot who said it, but there was someone recently I heard it said that... Um... An artist, when they're no longer are starving, yeah. are no longer artists. Yeah, because yeah. they're doing it because they're getting paid. Yeah, exactly. It's, so, and they're getting a paycheck. I don't think that's wholeheartedly true, but it's it's not. It, or, I think it's more of a spectrum. Us. It's not as black and white. It's a spectrum for sure. Yeah, you, get, you might get a. Yeah, if somebody thinks they're worth ten million and they can only get five, they're gonna give. 50% of themselves and you're going to get $5 million worth of work from them. Now, a lot of us sitting here and even me saying that right now is feels like, wow, I will take $5 million to make a movie. Um, but, you know, a lot of these people have to understand what they're worth. And um, I think that's a big struggle that's going on right now in Hollywood. Because they used to be so protected by if the ticket sales weren't great the dvds were gonna come and now the dvd sales don't come and the streaming services are like we're not paying it residuals and it's like well then we're not acting <laughs> like i'm sorry i don't really understand what's so hard to understand about that is like these people are making a lot of money from residuals and you're basically now telling them like yeah but you're not important it's like, well, if I'm not important, then who it, you know? There's a, a um, lot of things with, with technology and CGI that are coming in. And then and, and I'm not saying it's bad because they've made some fantastic movies, you know. But I think we're losing the, the honesty of film. And I think the, the bottom line for why we do any of this is that there are stories to be told. And the best way to do it is through conversation. And that's why, you know, this movie is 30 years old, but it's a brand new movie to me. But this is like the most refreshing movie I've seen in a while. 
me too. You know, and it's just a good story. I mean, it was so limited. You could tell budget, you know, right. budget wise, how the scope was so limited. It filmed all around Dallas. Yeah, but I mean, it, it's a beautiful little movie. I mean, the way it's shot. I mean, it's shot around warehouses and stuff like that. And I mean, and and, and it's shot beautifully. I mean. It's so well crafted. It's just a cute little movie. I mean, it's nothing, anything like that. You know, it has any huge message, but it's just like, just this neat little package you can put in your pocket. You know, and, I mean, it was just really refreshing. Yeah, it's got super crazy rewatchability. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it'll be a, definitely a movie that I can just throw on. It's definitely gonna be a movie that I recommend to people. Uh, I just wanted the, the last 20 minutes of the movie. I could watch over. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the ice going crazy. Oh, my God. I will, I will talk about the Kumar thing later because yeah. it's in my notes. But uh, I, I let's get from, let's start from the beginning, I guess, with our thoughts. So, like, the, the, the scene where Dignan is, like, get, making him escape from the hospital mm-hmm. is the funniest thing uh it's it's so funny it's such a funny scene and he's crawling out of the hospital he's basically he's got a one-story drop that he has to do and he's um he's talking to the doctor and he's like hey uh, you know i'm ready to i'm ready to leave and uh then he doctor notices that he's got sheets tied out the window he's like Anthony is like checking himself voluntarily out of a volunteer hospital, but he's got sheets dangling all the way to the He's like, What's that about? And uh, he's like, ah, I just got this friend that's insisting on breaking me out. So uh, I just I have to escape. And then uh, he gets out into the courtyard, walks around, says goodbye to everyone. <laughs> and then he then he rounds the bushes, finally gets Dickens still on the walkie talkie creeping down and yeah. he's just walking through the courtyard and telling everybody, see you like watching him walk through the courtyard and everything. And then and he, he, still he turns the corner to him, gets there to where Dignan is and is like, Hey, what's up? And uh, the doctor starts pulling all the sheets back in through the window. And he goes, Oh, you paid off a janitor. <laughs> nice thinking. <laughs> It's, and it's that head of psychology. Yeah, it's just the doctor being like, all right. I love what the doctor said. He's like, the doctor says, all right, just make it fast because it's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was, it and, was you know, really you learned a lot about Anthony's character, too, at that point, because his doctor is like, I know you're fine, dude. You're just going through, like, some bad stuff or whatever. And it, but he's also, you learned that, that Anthony is... A giver or, or someone that, that wants goes, to please everyone. Yeah, he's a people pleaser and he's someone who's like a caregiver too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I really uh, I really enjoyed that scene. It was it was and that's insightful that's scene. Yeah, it's really insightful as well as uh, being really just comedic and overall just humorous. It was, it was really fun. Um. I really enjoyed the part with them acting like two actors after the first burglary. They they walk through and meticulously burglarize a house with a list of items that they're allowed to burglarize. Obviously, one gets taken that's not supposed to, but <laughs> they get into the diner and they're just like talking to each other. And it's like two actors having just gotten out of the scene. They're like, oh, my God, you did such a good job. And like. 
and they're just like, yeah, man, if we can keep going like this, I mean, you, you, the sky's the limit for us. And they're just like, and the the amount of optimism that they're talking with about being burglars, burglars, <laughs> burglars is really funny. Um, I think, you know, it, it's, it, you know, I might be bringing this up too early, but I could never quite get, I don't think, you know, Luke Wilson's character, Anthony, mm-hmm. um, whether he was, I mean, Dignan is obviously a, a freaking dull, you know, <laughs> he reminds me so much of a guy I went to high school. He's not stupid. Right. He's just an idiot. I mean, he's yeah. just, his, his line of reasoning and thought and, you know, he's not a popular guy. You know, yeah. and he, you know, he's probably that nerd, you know, but is super confident about himself. He reminds me, I'm not going to mention his name, but a guy I went to high school. I mean, we were having such a good time talking that we weren't watching the clock and uh, we ran out of time. But yeah, you were leaving off where you left off is uh, it reminds you of a kid that you went to high school with. Yeah, I mean, he, what I was saying is this guy was just, um, like I said, he wasn't stupid. Um, but he was just a complete idiot, you know, in terms of his logic and his um, line of thinking. I mean, he was just constantly riddled with bad ideas and how he came to those ideas about why people didn't like him or what was going on was just insane. Right. You know, so it was a part of insanity. It's a delusion of grandeur. I mean, he was just like, the confident nerd that, like, no matter how much he was picked on or whatever, he's just rolling it out. It's somebody who is who would like interact with someone for one t- one time and be like, "Okay, well, I guess we're best friends now." And it's like, no, <laughs> like, no, we're not. We're not best friends. What What I'm saying is, though, it just seems like Anthony was and Bob were just like. Well, Bob was his own thing, but Anthony, I mean, obviously he was affluent and I'm not sure Dignan was as affluent as him and Bob were, you right. know, and that's the main group of the three, but it seems like Anthony was just lazy yeah. or just bored and that was his big thing. He wasn't stupid. He I was just, just he unmotivated. Was really, yeah, and impressionable. I just think yeah. it's really, really just. It's like anybody that came by that had like an idea that seemed remotely I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. I mean, it's a really naive guy. <laughs> yeah, just a really naive, bored, lost person. So, but he he has some problems with his because he's not a big consequences guy. Yeah, he's just a free thinker kind of. But right, he doesn't like consider consequences. None of the people in this movie consider consequences whatsoever. I think Wilson does for like about five minutes in the movie and then yeah. he's just like I'm <laughs> um, I really enjoyed how they made Bob's character audition for like he was trying to make Bob audition for getaway driver and he was like uh, well I'm like the only one with a car so like I kind of have to be the driver and he was like and he was like I like that yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, that was that was good. Kurt Owen goes, I feel that right. Here. Yeah, I felt that right. He should point it to his butt. He had a car seat in it. And it's so funny. Um, I've always really enjoyed uh, how Wes Anderson always treats uh, the children 
that he gives lines to with respect by giving them like actual intelligent things to say. Um, like children in this, in all of his movies are never gimmicks. They're always, in most times too, more uh, have they have more have more wisdom than the adults in most movies. Grace is probably the most sound minded person in this whole movie. Luke Wilson's well, Anthony's little sister. Mm-hmm. Like she is very easily the the most more well obviously she's morally uncorrupt because she's a child but um it's something it's just it, it, and i'm sorry to interrupt. there's so many so many of his movies too deal with characters who have daddy issues um and i think that has a lot to do with it too uh but you know it's always it's always refreshing to watch his movies because the kids get lines like the way that she dismissed her friend and was like uh could you let us like? Could you let us talk alone, please? And she's like, "Are you sure?" And she's like, "Yeah, I think I think I'll be okay." Like, it was. I don't know. I've just always really enjoyed the how he's uh, how he treats children in his movies. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you there, but the point I was going to make is that like children, it's almost like a Shakespearean tribute to children because like in all the Shakespeare plays, they had that. The old, the soothsayer, I'm not sure, the orator, I guess is what yeah. they are. But it seems like children are the orators for his movies, kind of like. Yeah. You know, I just had that kind of come to me. He's a, he's a uh, very literature-driven man, so I can understand that would be his, uh, <clears throat> his intention. Um, I really enjoyed Dignan's retort about what Grace says and how it kind of like sends Anthony into a spiral, and he says, what has she ever accomplished? <laughs> Mom laughed at that, too. We were just watching that part with me. That, is, <laughs> that was... I could, I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard I couldn't stop yeah. laughing. Mm-hmm. It was so funny. It's perfect, absolutely perfect uh, delivery. It yeah. was incredible. And again, I'm like, as far as like character development... Yeah. I mean, it's like a perfect yeah. short line that tells you everything you need to know about What the hell does she know? That's so funny. Um, there is uh, also shades of his movies in this, but um, I don't think it's it's not as prominent. Like, everything is not symmetry-driven. There's, like, almost really none. But you can still see, like, aspects of what he would become in this movie, I think. I think, like, I can't remember anything specific, but I do remember a lot of neat shots where it's just, like, a, a change perspective from, um, you know, onto the characters, and then the camera will move, and it's, like, onto what they're actually looking at. Uh, you know, I think a lot of less than that, like, yeah. is from the angles and, like, how the shots move. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I just his camera work, Yeoman's camera work with Wes's direction. I mean, I don't know a better camera duo, cameraman director duo, uh, over the course of thirty years because it's been the same guy mm-hmm. every time. So um, it's really cool to see where they started out because I'm pretty sure Yeoman is like ten years older than Wes. So I'm tr- he's probably a cameraman before Wes was around. He just finally found a director that enjoys 
directing the way that he's... Yeah. Wes is like 53, I think. Something like that. But, um... I don't know why we just did... I don't know why I tangented like that, but... Um... <laughs> the scene where Dignan storms out and calls off the gang. Uh... And then comes back and is like, I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm, I'm under a lot of pressure right now. That seems really funny... And the way that Rob Bob was like grabs the gun and is like looking at it and then he hears him come back and he like puts it right back on the table. He paid for all yeah, he paid, but he's not allowed to touch it. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's such a specific thing too, and I think that's what makes it really funny. Is it's they they're so specific towards what they uh, are trying to do, and I think that's what makes it so funny. <laughs> the next thing that I have here is the, the the little tiff that he has with the bookstore owner or the bookstore manager where he's like uh, I think he calls him an, an idiot and he's like don't call me an idiot you punk and uh, it, <laughs> and so he pauses for a second and then he respectfully asks him if he has larger, any larger bags that he could put it in, maybe bags that you put encyclopedias or, or dictionaries in. And uh, they actually didn't have any, so he had to get it in the little bag. I just love so I mean, for the rest of the robbery they had there, he went from yeah. being a screaming madman to like, thank you, could you guys please, you know. Yeah, yeah, like, like on the way out. <laughs> yeah, on the way out, he's thank like, you guys, sir. thanks guys. <laughs> And he never got bigger bags, so they had, like, of these, I guess, like, the size of, like, pet station bags, you know, going to apartments. Yeah. And, you know, full of money, and they had, like, 10 or 12 of them, and these little bags with money in them. It would have been easier to just take all the money out in their hand. Yeah. But they're all in little bags. There's so many little screwball things like that. You can't mention them all, but it's just it just keeps you smiling the whole way through. It's so cute. This movie is like so cute while having such a like a dark premise. Um, <laughs> and then Dignan lying about the gang he's running with actually being a group of landscapers, <laughs> but he's not wrong that they do crime later on. But the way that the way that he said that he tells the story is that he got fired for not doing the landscaping work because he didn't think that the fronts actually did the work in <laughs> the day that they were doing the front for. They didn't realize he actually had to run the business, um, which is so funny. So he was right. He actually was looking yeah. for a crime boss that had yeah. a lawn care business. Yeah, but he but he realize. thought he was being hired to be a crook. Yeah. But, but they, they wanted him to, to be one against basically. Yes. That was so funny. All those irony. It's it, it was really good. And the way that he learns the way that uh the way that Anthony learns it is through Bob. It's not even through Dignan. And Dignan knows that he's lying. I also just wrote down on here that uh, it was a dollar five per gallon in gas or in loaves in Dallas. In the background, I saw that. That was really, really sad to look at. Um, 
<laughs> Bob retorts in Spanish that he has a family emergency. <laughs> he, like, he belts out this Spanish sentence about how he has to go home because he's got an emergency. It is so funny, and it's in a like Texas accent and everything. Um, that killed me. I I couldn't stop laughing at that. Um. And then I enjoy the line. Uh, Bob's gone. He stole his car. <laughs> yeah, he stole his car. Bob's gone. He stole his car. Uh, their relationship was really funny. Um, the next note I have is Dignan misunderstanding Rocky telling Anthony, uh, tell Anthony I love him, and not just not understanding that. That was really funny. Um, yeah, I thought he understood it. He was just being a jerk because he he knew that how much, he was jealous of. I think he had his relationship with Inez, and you know, like, I don't think even if he knew, he would have told him. He forgot accidentally on purpose. Yeah, I understand. But I think you're right. I just think he thought the boy told him. Yeah, I, well, he's so stupid. Yeah. They, they've told him so stupid in this movie that you kind of have to like start to wonder if that's what they were going for. Um, but it makes you wonder if he actually, because when that happened, I thought he didn't tell him on purpose. I was like, oh wait a minute, poor guy was just too stupid. To realize, <laughs> to realize what happened, he was like, yeah. "What? What?" Because he turns around and he's like, "What the hell is that about?" Yeah. Um, that was really funny. Uh, I liked Anthony's sketch of Ine. I thought it was really disturbing. <laughs> it was like as like a seven-year-old wrote a picture, drew a picture of someone. <laughs> um, and then they get into that argument, and Anthony. <laughs> Anthony gets stuck in the face with a screwdriver over $500. Um, but giving away $500 when you know you don't have a way of getting home is really stupid. Again, no consequences. Right. Um, I want to point out that the name of, the name of their, uh, their business was the Lawn Wranglers. It was really funny. Um... And his brother even makes the joke. It's like, you take care of Kimasabi or something like that. That was hilarious to me. Even so, it's so mean. <laughs> I just love the, the, like, bullies in movies. I just, you know, it, it's true and it's honest, but when it's portrayed in the movie and you see how moronic and stupid it is, it always cracks me up for some reason. I really liked it. He was really playing, like, a Scooter McGavin-esque bully. And this isn't going to sound awful. You know the movie Karate Kid? Yeah. Like, I'll watch it now just because I get off on how much they pick on him at, like, the beginning of the movie. <laughs> I'll like, hell yeah, give it to him, John. Well, you, should, <laughs> you should watch the um the TV show they did on Netflix because it's all about Cobra Kai. Yeah, mate. It's a, it's a, it's I don't a like Cobra it. Kai. <laughs> no, dude, you would love it. I just love White. When, when things are set up so black and white, yeah. so vanilla, I just like to, to look at it from both sides. I still like the movie, don't get me wrong, but I like to make fun of it and like the movie. Yeah, I'm saying. I think a lot of movies in the 80s are like worthy of being made fun of because they're just so contrived. Yeah. Like a lot of those big pop 80 movies. Um, the scene where uh, Ine and 
Anthony are talking on the phone and Anthony gets to finally confirm that like that she said I love you to him. Uh it was really cute I thought where he was <laughs> dancing in the middle of the party and screaming like out loud in the middle of the Oh my god She's she likes me. Thought that was really cute. And then um I also thought it was really cute when Dignan was being really overprotective of Kumar, <laughs> making sure that he was getting through the heist okay. Getting him on the elevator specifically. What was the elevator? Slapshot? Uh, Applejack. Applejack. Kumar and Applejack. But Applejack is who we should have been wor- worried about. I thought for sure Applejack got shot. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they just had a heart attack because of the shot. The shot scared him so bad that he turned to the I've just got to say and explain, no, I don't want to ruin it. No, I'm not, because there might be some people who haven't watched this movie. The, the, they, how they, they get caught, how people watch like, this for 45 minutes and they don't want to, if they don't know the end of the movie and they've watched this podcast for 45 minutes through the plot synopsis and everything. Yeah. It's just the, one of the funniest, like, bots comedy criminal yeah. scenes of, I've ever seen and the, at the end of this when he, he you know he does this heroic thing Dignan does and runs back in the building when he knows alarms are going off the police are coming to rescue Applejack who got stuck <laughs> on the elevator having a heart attack he gets him out yeah gets the keys out of Applejack's pocket unlikes the van puts him in there and, <laughs> and then Applejack passes out with the doors locked. And like he's been on the doors for 30 seconds before he could have run off still and still stay <laughs> until the police got there. And then, and then waits till they get there and get out of the car and then leaves them on a chase and back into the freezer warehouse. That's the most moronic thing for turning to myself. I could not stop laughing at that scene. <laughs> the. Oh my god, in this scene, and before that, there's a part where Kumar is going down the elevator, and he's coping, he's just sitting there coping with the fact that he couldn't get the safe open, he's just like, I've, I've lost it, I've lost my touch, I don't know. <laughs> he never had. <laughs> so that one was trying to say, goes, you never had, I'm starting to think you never had it, Kumar. <laughs> Even then, you don't even know that then that it was a setup. You yeah. kind of got to had a feeling it was, but I thought that was a really nice writing touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Applejack. I mean, what does he do? Why was he there? I mean, he's completely worthless. And see, yeah. yeah. I mean, he is. I mean, he looked like a bad. Kumar was too. You know. I know. Yeah. It's just like I loved the scene too because um, it gives perspective to the the country club scene. Where he's talking to, uh, or he's talking to Bob. Abe is talking to Bob, James Conn's character, and he's like, "So you're telling me you don't play tennis, you don't play golf. Why do you have a membership to the country club, Bob?" He goes, uh, "Well, you know, you just gotta sign the 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 paper, and then you that's it." <laughs> And it's like, that would be funny on its own, you know? And then to realize that it comes back to him where he's robbing, gets robbed later on. That's crazy. That's hilarious. And then Bob has no alibi because he was trying to rob someone else, you know? So he can't go to the police. 
it's it's just a, it's a great writing um honestly it's a great like plot point and it ties the movie in really well because it could have very easily just like not cared about that yeah so good on that and good on them for getting that written out because that was really funny um the dignan uh just having this air of invincibility about him like throughout the whole movie was really funny and then especially in that end scene was really funny too you know like every character it seems like in wes anderson movies again the on this theme has some redeeming quality to him like even though james Conn was like you know a crook and screwed him over in the end at least he stood up to Bob's brother who bullied him around and, you know, as an adult, still beat him up and yeah. stuff, which was so sad. But he, he stopped, you know, he confronted him and, like, got physical with him in the, in the country club restaurant. And then they made him fun of him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it changed his situation, too, Bob's situation at home. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. I mean, I was like, so that was one of the best feelings of the movie. To me, it was what... Bob's brother got rubbed up by James Cullen. <laughs> thought that was funny too. I mean, I had to have been a coup to get him to do that movie too at the time. Yeah, apparently they've gone on record to say that they tried to get Bill Murray to do it, but he wouldn't do it. Hmm. But he did the next one. He did Rushmore. So, um, yeah, um, I think Bob finding the quote. This is kind of tied to what we were just talking about. Bob gets told by his brother, Bob, you're just just because you're a fuck up doesn't mean you're not my brother. <laughs> and that's he was like, I was honestly moved by that. The fact that he finds that endearing is so funny. That's um, better than what he was getting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, still a bad situation, but it's true. better than what it was. I, yeah, I mean, even though Dignan is in jail at the end of the movie, at least he's kind of like. Got some sense knocked into him. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it gives it's gonna take away that invincibility that he felt because he says in the movie, he says in the movie like I can't get, get caught. caught. Yeah. yeah, so he he needed that honestly probably. Um, it's I have the note that it's hilarious that they feel accomplished at the end of the movie. They're in better spots, like headwise, but I they're not accomplished. They haven't accomplished anything, yeah. and that's the funny thing is they are like, we did it. <laughs> like, yeah. They didn't do anything. <laughs> like, and they're speaking to like overall, like they're all in a better spot mentally than sure. But like, the the saying we did it is implying that like they succeeded by like doing something extraordinary yeah yeah i think they're just saying that we tried to do something i just is think, what they're celebrating <laughs> i just think they realize that they can't like be robbers but that they're still proud of what they did i don't think they have remorse for it i think mm-hmm. they're all still as stupid as they are as they were when the movie started but they just have a better understanding of what they can and can't do it's their condition yeah, they basically just found out consequences. Yeah, and their condition is just just slightly better. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then when the credits hit, that song that played made me laugh. I have that noted, too. It was like a, a really weird, like, cutesy song. Um, But yeah. Those are my last thoughts. Do you have any more? 
I don't really think so. I mean, there's not really too much that you can say about this movie. I mean, I don't think it's the kind of movie that's that's going to be for everybody. I mean, if you like, no, oh, but sure, no. You did the, a, the like quirky stuff, epic uh, comic book type movies. It might not be your cup of tea, but if you like good conversation, good intricate, intricately woven stories, comedy, and and you know, and it's not that long either. It's like a good movie. Yeah, ninety minutes, and it's it goes really fast too. It's entertaining, so I highly recommend it. Yeah, me too. Um. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I'm actually going to give it a 7.8. Thought it was good, but not, you know, crazy great. But what were you going to give it? Yeah, I just got to say, just from the story and the plot line and, you know, just being interesting and captivating from beginning to end is worth 6.5 in and of itself. But then... It was a really good movie. I mean, even though it was independent and it was limited in scope, uh, I still gave it a 75 myself. So, 15.3. So that means we are going... Oh, leap that, Nick. I hate the way that these things work. It'll go right into 13th spot, right in between Into the Wild and the assassination of Jesse James. So, yeah. I would say so. Um, yeah, it's definitely better than all these movies under it. And my, at least from my perspective, oh my god, at least from my perspective. But, um, well, somebody's gonna do like a stop frame of this show and see all the next 20 episodes. <laughs> no, this is all the 20 episodes I've already done. No, you can't. I was saying since she was mandatory sales spreadsheet. I see. But, um, yeah. This is another episode. It's been another episode of Finding New Films. Um, want to thank you for stopping by if you guys made it to the end um i'm about to go into promo hour um on mondays i do a show called fns self tapes which is the same exact uh format as this show except we uh it's, there's no we it's just i um it's just me doing solo reviews in the same exact format i sit in that chair though uh, so, so it's different. Um, and then we have a new show called The Basement Tapes that we film on the couch that is about five feet to my right. Uh, that is me and Trevor, and we just talk about random things, uh, that we want to think about, or that we have thought about, you know, in the past two weeks or so, uh, because that comes out about every other week. Um... Upcoming, we have a new episode of FNF at the Films. He will be the first guest on FNF at the Films. We're going to be going to see Oppenheimer. So that'll be really fun. Um, very excited to see that movie. Um, That's with Nolan. Yes, Chris Nolan. We're going to see Chris Nolan recreate the nuclear bomb, uh, apparently. The creation, yeah. No, there's a explosion in the movie where he's 
on record as saying that he recreated a nuclear explosion for the movie. So we'll get to see how he violated war crime law. <clears throat> um, but uh, Dad also has a show on our podcast network. Uh, it is Greg and Jeff Give the Hi Hat. You guys are filming later tonight. You're going to film? Well, um, as you know, um, we're going transitioning to uh, adding video to the podcast. And so uh, we'll be putting out a uh, just a little announcement of that. Uh, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, and then next Sunday we'll be back. Bay back. Bay back. We'll be back with a, a live show Yeah. Um, Sunday at midnight. Yeah. Or Saturday night at midnight, however you want. Sunday at midnight. Yeah. Technically know. Sunday at midnight. Well, let's say Saturday night at 11.59 p.m. Just so there won't be any confusion. I'm going to say Sunday at midnight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not doing that. Um, if you don't know what Sunday at midnight is, you're too stupid to listen to the podcast. How about that? I'll um, never say that. <laughs> I know my audience. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I am I am the producer over on that show. Uh, so uh, you might hear my voice. You might not. From time to time, you'll hear my influence for sure. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Uh, also, on a personal note, I did write an article for a newly um, created website called movie.org. That's M-U-U-V-I dot O-R-G. Um, I wrote a article most recently about John Early's most recent comedy special, Now More Than Ever. Um, I really enjoyed it, and if you would like to go read a word version of a review that I did, uh, you can go over and do that. It's time to All right. Appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to be writing uh, three reviews for the first three episodes of Secret Invasion, um, probably as soon as I get off of this. So uh, that'll be coming out soon. Um, you can look for my written work there, and all of our visual work is here on our YouTube channel. You can follow us there, subscribe to that, like the videos, comment. I'm running out of time. Sure. Go follow us on Instagram, follow sure. us on threads, share everything. Thank you so much. We've been finding new films. Good night. Mwah.